Hey, Jordan, how's it going? Uh, hey, what's up? Uh, not much. I'm actually just like feeling very like inspired. You know, I'm having one of these moments where sometimes you can take a step back and see how everything's playing out and just feel this this feeling of like we're part of something big here. We're part of something really beautiful. I'm having oh, one of those moments today. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. You know, it's like American democracy, right? We know We know America's made mistakes. We know that sometimes America doesn't always get it right. You know, I think we can all agree with that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I have to say, when I see the beautiful American democracy in action, I just, I got to really admire it. I think it's really a beautiful thing, even if sometimes, even if sometimes I don't like the direction that it goes. Sure. And just seeing in the Senate the other day, um, the Democrats bringing this, this vote, this really historic voting rights legislation to the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, and to ask politely the minority party if they could maybe proceed with a, a debate on that. And then have the other party just say, no, no, thank you. You know, you might not like the result, but that's democracy, baby. You have to take a step back and just say, wow, this is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that we're a part of. And I just, I was really inspired by this. Oh, of course. I mean, you're not always going to get your way. And I think people need to grow up, especially some of the uh, the uh, Bernard brothers. Mm. Uh, this is, you know. It's we're adults. We're gonna to have to negotiate, and what the, what they said was the other side said was that's not what we want, and so we're gonna to have to find a nice bipartisan compromise. Otherwise, nobody wins. So uh, this is, I think, you know, pretty straightforward stuff. I just think the uh, the extremely online lefty types just clearly didn't understand that uh, when you have sweeping, uh, you know, attempts made by one political party to disenfranchise millions of people. Uh, they also get to shut down any attempts to kind of rectify yeah. that situation. That's just how government should work. It's yeah, it's great. That's the that's the how the sausage is made, as mm-hmm. we say here in D.C. Um, yeah, no, I've seen some of these like online lefty types. You know, they're they're complaining about this. They're complaining about Stephen Breyer. They've been targeting poor Stephen Breyer. Mm-hmm. They've been saying things like retire Breyer and some of these things. Mm-hmm. Shameful. It's very disappointing. Is Breyer? Listen, he doesn't owe you anything. No, he doesn't. And they don't get this. No. It's very unfortunate. Shameful stuff. Yeah. I do have to warn you, though. I don't want to like lower the mood here or anything. Uh, I have heard rumors. Some of my little birds have informed me that um, Ken was possibly planning on coming to the building today. Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to let you know. He's going taken... to storm. He's going to storm the office. Yeah. I'm right here. I've been oh, sitting sh- here for the last 10 minutes. Uh, do do uh, you mind letting me in? Oh my god, don't don't move. His, his vision is based on movement. Okay. Yeah, I mean, guys, there's nowhere to sit out here. Can you please let me in? Okay, let's. So you, you um, said you called the Capitol Police, right? For like, yeah, we got to get these get security in here, get the Capitol okay. Police, and let's let's head over to the panic room because this is not. I was not anticipating this. No, I have uh, I have scoops. Do you guys want your scoops? I have them. It's about law enforcement. I think he's threatening us. He's threatening yeah, okay, us right go, now. Go. Right now I'm hearing some like commotion. Oh, I'm sorry. It's that's my wife and, and her her sister in the other room. I didn't know that it came through that clearly. <laughs> yeah. Ken, so not only are you are you messing with our audio quality because you're you're coming from some kind of a cocktail party, one of your hoity-toity 
events <laughs> that I guess high society events that you regularly uh, are, are the media the, the, the soirees that media people just live in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you've also gotten us in trouble again. You're you're pranking people again. You're making all kinds of people upset online, Ken. Extremely I never disturbing. do that. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, neither do I. Usually people just, when I give takes on politics or history especially, many people are just saying, hey, good job. I agree. Mm-hmm. I never have this issue personally. So well, who is this guy that became like, developed this weird obsession with you this week though? Because it was very strange. You inspire, you inspire all kinds of weird meltdowns from, from kind of all kinds of odd characters. <laughs> who is this guy? I didn't know who this was until uh, exactly what you described, but his name is Shant, uh, Shant M., and uh, I, I don't. To this day, I don't know who he is, um, but he's very he's mad at me. Enigma, Shant the Enigma. He's a mystery wrapped in an enigma. Yeah, so Jordan, remind me what happened. What happened with this guy? Was it his name? Shant? What is it? Uh, I guess it's I don't know. I, I just kind of saw the stuff like later on. I saw Ken had upset this guy, uh, and it was because he the guy did a tweet like saying that lefties would not be okay with shoplifting from oh right yeah. if uh you know it was like their podcast that people were stealing which yeah. is like can you imagine if someone were to steal a podcast episode i mean fucking go for it like <laughs> the stuff like i don't care it, like, the thing is it, you it wouldn't became, download a podcast yeah it's i like, mean that's like it right many people do yeah. The conflict became so bitter, and I didn't intend it to be, because I thought that that comment was sort of charming, because it's like something my dad would say. It would be like, you know, when you, you, you know, it's like, when it's like with a, you know, once I start taxing podcasts, then you kids will stop being lefties. It's like, uh, dad, pod, people, people have a podcast business that's text that's taxed like anything else. You know what I mean? It's just like some very yeah. like boomer idea. Of, so, so I thought it was sort of charming, but uh, I guess he didn't he didn't take my my uh, quote tweet that way. It was extremely cranky. It was an extremely cranky tweet from Chance. <laughs> what was the first one again? I just remember the that one of the replies being like, "You're not used to this, are you, Ken?" And I was just thinking, it felt like it felt like the 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 robot in that Stanley Kubrick movie. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I can't I can't do that, Dave. And I was like, well, "Wait, he what was are you trying, talking about?" He was trying to like troll you back, and just it wasn't really working. It was falling flat because like no one really was getting us back. It was kind of pathetic. It was like, you know, slightly embarrassing. Um, a real feeble attempt. And then obviously people <laughs> just like in droves came to like dunk on him. It was very funny. Uh, I kept but, trying yeah. to, I thought maybe there was some subtext I was missing. It's like, you're not used to it. I was thinking to myself, what is that? Is that a term? No, like, I don't think so. Yeah. Reference to something. But um, yeah, I didn't understand. I, well... I mean, I think he just thought he was like referring to like, oh, yeah, you usually just uh, pick on those hapless, gullible conservatives. But now you've got a real challenger. I read <laughs> yeah, it as like something kind of stupid like that. Once you pick on someone you're yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it felt like, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, I don't know. I was kind of confused through the entire thing. Because then it, the next thing was, um, was you're way too sensitive. And I, I was like, what What do you mean? I was just asking, like, I didn't understand. What, what did I do that was sensitive? And then I think you said you had the politics of Nancy Pelosi, if I remember well, correctly. Well, that's true. That's a new one. Like, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's me. Yeah. My, Hit my dogs holler, I think, is the expression. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing yeah. a t-shirt now of the, the clap emoji. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, dude. 
Emma's really into delivering what she uh, dozens and dozens of hundreds of uh, flowers and roses to her office just uh, oh, earlier this week. That was, I, that was very thoughtful re- of you, I actually. I reenact the ripping of the pages of that legislation every <laughs> every morning. Mm-hmm. As one does, yeah. That's lovely, very strange. Ken. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't we haven't even had you on the show since since the Naomi Wolf incident as well. Oh gosh, these are piling up, huh? <laughs> or was am I is am I mixing them up now? Because that was the mm-hmm. was yeah, that the John Naomi, Sims the one. Naomi was there Wolf one? thing, the Naomi Wolf thing preceded, and I think was you know trumped by the Matt Gates. Uh, yes, of course, the Matt Gates stuff. The Lee Harvey Oswald incident. <laughs> yeah, but, that's right. And by the way, today he's talking about the military and how he'd like it to be run. He didn't know that Lee Harvey Oswald was served in the mil- served in the military. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, or no, boy. that was really Candace Owens. Stuff. Actually, she said that I, she accused me of photoshopping a, a picture of him. And I, oh, I thought yeah, yeah, I thought that's just another kind of subtext I wasn't understanding. It's like, oh no, she literally doesn't realize that this is like factually true, and this is a real photo of him. And because in the in that in in the like far right mind, it cannot be that someone served in the military and maybe there was a bad person in there somewhere. So yeah, can you imagine him. someone in the U.S. military doing something bad? That would be. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine troops. <laughs> yeah, these colors don't run, too, baby. That would be too crazy to. Even contemplate. Fourth of July is around the corner. I was talking to a Canadian friend who's going to be in the states uh, for this this next week or Fourth of July week, um, and I was like encouraging him. He's going to be in New Jersey. I was like, you need to take the train down to DC for the Fourth because it's like insanity. You get families with matching American flag outfits. <laughs> like people just fucking lose their minds. Like you have to see how crazy it gets here. Uh, what do you think, Rob, as like an outsider, even just watching from you know across the border? Um, well, I mean, that kind of shit is always strange, I think. We have our own sense of, like, nationalism here. Although, like, because July 1st is Canada Day, and we're trying to cancel Canada Day now. That's our that's our thing that we're doing right now, which is which cancel, is upsetting the- Cancel culture, huh? Yeah, we are. We are legitimately trying to do cancel culture to our, our, national, uh, our national holiday of-, of admit it. Where we celebrate the country. But no, it, it always is kind of strange to me. Um, but it's it's enjoyable, too. It's part of the charm of America- Having that kind of stuff, you know, the as much as I might criticize certain actions that the American government has taken, I must admit that I do have that kind of like nostalgic view of you know having the hot dogs and the fireworks and the <laughs> well, flags good. and stuff. I mean, yeah, I, no, that's no that's well, cool, you know. <laughs> the, I have an Iranian friend that asked me once. She's like, "Oh, all these flags, the government gives those out for free," and I was like, "No." She's like, well, "How do you? How does everyone get them?" It's like, "Well, you got to buy them." She's like, people are buying those? And I was like, yeah. She's like, but I, I, I've seen the polling. Americans hate their government. Like, uh, Congress's polls at like 15%. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to answer that, but they, everyone goes out and buys a flag. <laughs> and honestly, the degree of the, like, disjunct, I hadn't even really thought of. It's like, yeah, she's right. But, but you make the flags in America, right? No, those are made by Bangladeshi children. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, that's, it's, it's made by the, like, uh, uh, government that ours hates most. <laughs> it's like oh cool makes sense yeah it's a land of many contradictions shall we say <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy um okay well ken you got you got a, you got a big scoop this week and uh we're gonna get to that i want to talk about it but to get into that i wanted to talk about to both of you about something that i think is i'm um, caused a bit of a uh, an outcry among the sort of liberals in this past week, which is 
this uh this segment that Tucker Carlson did about the January 6th riots specifically where he um basically accused the FBI of being involved somehow with allowing these riots to happen or being involved in the planning of them somehow or somehow the intelligence community being involved with these riots in the first place and it led to this big backlash of course you had a bunch of other segments on like CNN and MSNBC and these kind of liberal media outlets of people saying like what how how dare you accuse the intelligence community of being involved in something nefarious like that and i kind of had this moment where um and just to preface this I'm, this is not a defense of Tucker Carlson or Donald Trump or any of this stuff. Yes, it but is. I did want I did watch this segment and I was kind of like, well, hold on here, like maybe we should like examine this a little bit. Um, and I saw Ken, you had some good takes about this as well, um, talking about the contradictions of January six and how we've we've focused endlessly on these random like MAGA boat dealership weirdos. Um, and not the very weird contradictions and, and bizarre, unexplained occurrences that happened that day, which isn't something that I think that we should just like dismiss. It's the number one reason I think this is just because it's the kind of very simple idea of um, we all knew, like we were talking about it. We, everyone knew something was going to happen on the 6th. You had Donald Trump, you had the president of the United States going for weeks, going, they're stealing the election. Folks, folks, they're stealing the election. We can't let them steal the election. Come to DC on the sixth. Um, this was people were very clear about this. You had these these like MAGA people going online. They weren't shy about this. Going on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and Parlor and all these different social media sites, being like, "We're going to storm the Capitol on the sixth. We're going. We're doing it. We're going to overthrow the government." Um, they were very very clear about this. This was not an ambiguous thing. So the thing that kind of makes me wonder about this is like, if we all knew that this was happening. Everyone knew. Obviously, if we all knew, then the intelligence community knew as well. The FBI, of course, they're monitoring this. Like They absolutely knew that something was going to happen this day. And this is what kind of makes me wonder about some of this stuff, which is that you know, we're talking about the US government here. They knew that there was going to be a protest outside the Capitol. They knew what some of these people were planning on. And if they didn't want these people to breach the Capitol, it just would not have happened. I mean, the the you against the U.S. government, they've got people to ensure that these places are protected. We all know that if there had been like an anti-fascist or a Black Lives Matter protest, similarly, if they had been planning to storm the Capitol like that, there would have been this military presence. They would have not let them into the Capitol. And just the fact that they did end up getting into the Capitol and causing this big um, crazy situation and that led to all this fallout. Personally, like you can talk about the different reason for why that might be, but I do think that we shouldn't just like dismiss the idea that there was some kind of involvement with the intelligence community and this riot. And just because someone that we don't like, Tucker Carlson, is like advancing this view and he's obviously doing it for his own nefarious ends, just because he's advancing this view, we shouldn't just arbitrarily dismiss it because of who it's coming from. Do either of you have any feelings about that? Like, there's certainly a number of weird, like, uh, inconsistencies and unexplainable things that took place that day. Like, do you think there's anything to this at all? I, I I think people, or not that you did, but I think it's it's easy to fall into a trap. It's like, oh well, if I you know accept this framing, I'm legitimizing Tucker Carlson, or you know, you know, validating his points or whatever. I mean, you could have those views separate from him uh, because he's not an authentic actor across the board on this type of stuff. If a bunch of uh, leftists storm the Capitol. Uh, there's no way he would even suggest anything remotely close to this. So it's, um, you know, obviously disingenuous and it's just to drive a, um, a point. And ultimately, 
give cover for a, a right wing fringe that is you know, part of his base. People love him. People love him on the right. Uh, so th- this separately from Tucker is, you know, there's well well documented history of the U.S. intelligence community infiltrating movements, agitating, uh, getting people riled up uh, and doing things like this. I'm not saying that's what happened here. Could have. I wouldn't put it past him. And I think we can have those views separate from Tucker Carlson. Um, I think that there's a long history of like stunning intelligence failures and that um, this one certainly wouldn't be outside of the norm if they just completely missed it because um, these are political supporters of the president. Now, you know, put yourself in the position of a high ranking, you know, FBI or um, Capitol Police or National Guard official. Um, are you going to be the guy, you know, do you think it's going to be um, beneficial to your career to like send the truncheons in and, and, and push out all these guys that are saying, you know, we want Trump? Um, now, I'm not saying that there wasn't potentially some inaction on the part of Trump officials to allow this to happen for whatever reason. But the problem is we don't know. And my concern, and, and you, you mentioned this before, is that they're not going to go up the chain and try to find leadership elements and, and, you know, any sort of role they might have had in, in slow walking a response uh, because they're just too high up and, and, and powerful. And my concern is that they're only going to get this kind of low hanging fruit of these, you know, folks that, uh, you know, it, you know, if people broke laws and, and you know, they should be uh, held to account for that. But um, I mean, just today, Attorney General Garland announced that he's not going to um, be, you know, uh, launching a Justice Department investigation outside of the inspector general, which is, you know, much weaker. Um, into the previous Justice Department. And that, to me, is a huge mistake because we should be looking at people like Attorney General uh, Barr and um, the uh, just, who, just like the Secretary of Defense under Trump, resigned like weeks before uh, uh, Biden was inaugurated under what I understand to be pretty mysterious circumstances. And, you know, I'd like to see an investigation at the highest levels to so that um, if there was, you know, so, some desire on their part to slow walk a police response then there could be accountability for that because if it only happens at the bottom to the weakest people, that's not going to be a very strong form of um, deterrent uh, from a, you know, later uh, administration doing something like this. Yeah. I guess my thing is like when I heard this, when I heard this kind of get floated around talking, investigating the the links, the possible links between the FBI uh, and this incident, I guess that's the kind of thing that I started to wonder because I always, it always was a completely unexplained phenomenon. Like how did these people breach the Capitol. I mean, I think the easy answer to that is like, well, possibly that there's these like pro-Trump uh, right-wing elements in the Capitol Police, like in these police unions, like in this infrastructure, um, which we know that's true. So that was part of my thinking is like, well, perhaps it was like some of these types that were trying to allow these people into the Capitol because they genuinely just like wanted Trump to, uh, you know, overturn the election results and, and institute this kind of new sort of new fascist movement. And I guess that's a possibility. The other thing that I was kind of thinking about, though, is that I don't think it should, you know, you can't really deny that Trump was kind of at war throughout his presidency with the intelligence community and the FBI. You know, his constant railing against the deep state, you had them kind of like trying to undermine him with the constant uh, Russia stuff, the Russia investigation, the the Steele dossier and all these things. Like, it does seem, I don't think it's that controversial that there was an element within the intelligence community that was kind of like opposed to Trump. And I don't think this was based in any like ideological 
uh, difference, but it's more just the fact that uh, if you look at the, the role of what the United States president should be, it's someone who's supposed to be kind of like the smiling face um, at the head of this empire that kind of gives everything this veneer of like, we're doing good things and we're spreading democracy and human, we care about human rights. And Trump, when Trump was in charge, it was just completely impossible to pretend that that was the case because he's such a dunce. He's always kind of like openly saying, yeah, we're doing this evil thing because it's evil and we like it. Um, so I think there's a number of reasons why, um, you know, the intelligence community was legitimately suspicious of him and legitimately, uh, wanted to undermine him so that's kind of what i started to think when i when i listened to this tucker carlson uh, segment which is that i i actually don't think it's that much of a stretch that uh potentially the fbi or someone in the some element of the intelligence community wanted to allow this to escalate to a certain point to create this big media event which then had the result of you know if 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 it had just been a, a little protest outside the Capitol, Trump would still be on Twitter every day. He would still be on the news all the time, um, and it had this kind of far-reaching consequence of like all of a sudden you know leading to legitimate uh, consequences for Trump. He's getting kicked off social media. He's been kind of marginal marginalized politically, um, and so I guess I don't know. Maybe it's it's kind of a conspiracy. I don't, there's no way there's no way of like really knowing, but. I was kind of like a little bit curious about this, about potential links with the with the FBI in this riot, and I do think there is kind of a, a possibility that they did uh, allow that to get to the level that it did for that specific reason. And and again, none of that is defense of Trump or Tucker Carlson, nor is it a defense of the intelligence community because I don't I don't like any of these people. But um, one thing that I did notice was that when when Tucker Carlson started mentioning this story, all of a sudden people just intrinsically recoil and say, "How dare you impugn the the wonderful people with the FBI? They would never be involved in something nefarious like that." And I was kind of like, "Well, you know, I don't like Tucker Carlson or Trump, but there there might actually be something there. I don't know." Yeah, I mean, when when the stuff came out in the near aftermath of uh, the the January sixth, whatever you want to call it. There were reports that emerged later on that and, and tell the intelligence community was like using, you know, the, 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 the call records from like cell towers to see who was there. And like, as a result, were sweeping up members of Congress uh, and their phone records. And that, you know, obviously presents a civil liberties uh, risk because, you know, that's just kind of unilateral warrantless surveillance for people who even people who get, get caught up in that kind of stuff just by being nearby had nothing to do with and you know think whatever you want about the the third party doctrine which is what law enforcement argues like and people uh especially on the right think like and i guess some el elements of the left think like well you hand over your private data to a, co a company to use x y and z use a phone do something um you can you know you don't really have a reasonable expectation of privacy. And so when that when that story came out, I mean, people argued like this is this is dangerous, and you know, liberals applauded it. Well, now we're seeing more and more of that kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's 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 troubling. This is this is they're going to accept it when it's you know hurting perceived, hurting the right. Uh, but now, as as Ken's story points out, um, that really helps set up this type of surveillance and. Uh, and whatnot of of left-leaning figures and as we've seen with operation iron fist that ken reported on last year two years ago uh you know you basically have another cointel pro uh set up right now in in the intelligence state yeah because i wanted to mention too because like when in our coverage of this 
I think we tried to walk that line between saying like we should this shouldn't just be dismissed. You know, this is a serious thing that happened. There should be some kind of an investigation. Some people should be held accountable potentially for trying to organize this, especially people that were like deliberately trying to like harm elected officials, even if you might might not like those elected officials personally. But one thing that can happen is you can't like cheerlead this new Patriot Act two type situation where because because you believe that's being targeted at your political enemies in the far right that you're going to encourage. Uh, the intelligence community to have these new sweeping powers, uh, or or for tech companies to have these new sweeping powers, um, and so we tried to walk that line. But as we're seeing now, uh, and with the scoopy ski just came out with Ken, that is indeed what's happening. And as as we and as many people were saying, any powers that you grant to the intelligence community um, in an effort to go after what you, what you might call right wing extremism, domestic extremism, is inevitably just going to be turned against the left. And that is precisely what is happening now, right? Yeah, there's a big both sidesism that that ends up happening at the sort of senior executive level, where the political appointees and the senior leadership who run things, um, you know, if they if they are authorizing a program to look at far right people, there is a, just in the real world, there you know, you may uh, brand the program as that and say, you know, this is just going to be about white supremacists or neo Nazis or whatever it may be. But the reality is, it, to sort of cover themselves, they tend to try to do an equal and opposite sort of thing, where they're like, "Oh, and just to show that um, you know I'm not biased against the right wing, we're also going to go after the uh, you know far left wing too." Um, and this is a tendency in government that exists generally, because this is kind of how you protect yourself. This is how you make it, uh, you know, because invariably you're going to have people like Matt Gates and and. Uh, the Republicans on the intelligence committees that are going to be saying, oh, you know, deep state, this and that. So, uh, you know, the, the Democrats are after us. So, so you know, one way they do to try to make it, um, it create this verisimilitude of, of, of uh, you know, equivalency is to go after uh, far left groups. And you see this happen all over. It's not just in, in intelligence uh, world. You know, when social media bans somebody on the far right, then, um, you know, it seems to me that very often they'll ban someone on the far left, too, and then. The idea is supposed to be, see, look, so it's fair. But unfortunately, the, the uh, factual data shows us that, you know, uh, in the case of like um, murders, for instance, if you compare a far left group like Antifa to a far right group like uh, white supremacists, there's there's no equivalency. So, uh, you know, on balance, the, the side, I, I, I think that this uh, would hurt more would probably be the far left. And, you know, what I'm finding in my interviews with folks in the different agencies as uh, the administration rolls out this new program to root out extremists, which, by the way, you know, I'm not against, uh, you, you know, like taking seriously if there's uh, criminality that exists, the, the, but the devil's in the details. How are they how are they applying this? How are they implementing this? And what I found, uh, you guys mentioned some of these reports um, earlier, uh, is that, you know, they're going to be monitoring uh, service members' social media on a continuous basis. They're working on creating uh, keywords that they're going to, um, as, as Jordan said before, there's this idea that, oh, if we just buy the data from a commercial um, seller, then it's not actually the government looking at it. It's a private industry that's providing it. So, And, and that's how they're going to do this. And, Loophole. You know, yeah, I talked to <laughs> I talked to an FBI agent, Mike German, who himself used to infiltrate um, white supremacist groups and is you know broadly supportive of these policies of, you know, at least the idea of, of, of taking seriously um, uh, that... Uh, this kind of extremist uh, criminality. And he said that, you know, that stuff is really counterproductive. It's not going to work. It's, it, you know, it could become a sort of boondoggle 
where you just start throwing money at these uh, sort of Silicon Valley tech firms. They're like, oh, we're going to you know, come up with some kind of predictive algorithm. That's that'll... so unlike the government, too. <laughs> yeah. That, when, does that, <laughs> when does the Defense Department ever waste money on, on <laughs> private contracts? But um, And he made the point that you know, a lot of this stuff is already known. A more constructive way to go about it would just be to look into the whistleblower cases that are filed. There are a whole lot. There's a huge backlog of them that are never investigated. And so, you know, these there are things that, you know, one can do to take this seriously that does not rise to the level of, you know, hoovering up all this data. Um, or uh, the point I'm really trying to make with my story, uh, uh, which came out yesterday, um, in which uh, there was training materials being given to, uh, it's kind of a Navy, Navy law enforcement, um, in which they very loosely define uh, socialist. They, you know, there's a question, you know, what type of what type of terrorists are uh, socialists, anarchists, and um, there's some other group they mentioned. The the point of this is not that they're going to come in and kick down your door and and, and arrest you. The the point is that anytime you allow uh, the government to start uh, de- dealing in questions of ideology, things get sloppy, things get messy, and they're going to start abusing terms. Because it turns, as it turns out, they don't have the best grasp of these kind of concepts, and and that's the point I'm kind of trying to make here is that, um, you know, you, it might sound like a nice idea, but it in practice, in implementation, it's never, um, it, it seems very seldom uh, applied uh, in a sort of sensible way. It's not going to be contained either. This is going to have downstream effects, like as we see with all these different like synergistic efforts and like things like uh, fusion centers and whatnot. Like these, like these ideas and these definitions and these over overarching broader goals are going to have ramifications downstream. It's like you know, it, with with cops or with law enforcement or with you know local government agents. Uh, it's just going to be, it's going to be disastrous. Uh, if this if this you know kind of stuff keep keeps going and like you know it's no surprise the government uh, and, and people in the government don't like uh, the left because ultimately they protect the interests of the capitalist elite and that's why they you know likened it to something heinous there is a very clear difference between someone who thinks that uh, a system in which uh, company uh, c- companies exploit the labor of employees for profit uh, is an unjust one. And people who think that uh, Jews should be exterminated. There's a very wide chasm of difference between those two types of people. But to conflate them is unbelievably reckless. But ultimately, it wasn't uh, to, you know, uh, it, it wasn't to, um, you know, weed out what they ultimately seem as, har- as harmful ideologies in terms of protecting people. It's to protect capitalist interests. And what was the specific turn of phrase they saw? They're like people who have who have critiques of the economic system. Or something really like Orwellian well, that was a different language. Document. That was a different document. That was the one that Ford Fisher tweeted out. Okay. Yeah, but this is what they do. Just think about how people on Facebook talk about concepts like, uh, you know, socialism or whatever. There's a whole – like what, what people don't understand is, what, you know, whatever the technical kind of like uh, publicized goal of these programs is, there's a whole nother layer of interpretation and discretion that's going to exist uh, at the mid and, and rank and file Level and so you're going to end up having people that post the kinds of things you see on Facebook about you know socialism equals two billion people dead or whatever it is and the reality is there's going to be some degree of those types of people interpreting you know what does socialism mean or what does anarchism mean or whatever it is and it, it just is not going to end well I don't think you know like it seems inevitable to me that it's going to be misapplied and misinterpreted yeah I mean we're talking about a country in the United States that's been just like 
inundated with anti-communist like propaganda right, exactly. for, for decades and decades like the whole united states domestic and foreign policy is completely geared towards anti-communism and ensuring that like not no one that holds these views it really rises to any position of power so and like these are the people uh the people that have grown up inundated in the system inundated by this kind of propaganda they're going to be the ones making this these kinds of decisions uh and making this kind of equivalence it's like yeah again it's like it's horseshoe theory uh, um, but being played out in terms of these like violent domestic extremist groups, um, which as you which as you mentioned have like no real like relation to one another. I, I think that's one of the things that's that's tricky for me um, because just really since since the Trump era started, uh, since I really started trying personally to try and cover this stuff more, uh, I I've been really alarmed by the uptick in right wing violence, which started in Quebec. It started in Quebec City. A couple of weeks after Trump, Trump's uh, inauguration with this mosque shooting, which was uh, carried out by one of these people who was immersed in this far-right media ecosystem. He loved Donald Trump and other political figures like Marine Le Pen. He loved Ben Shapiro and Gavin McInnes and all these guys. This, so this was – it felt a little bit personal for me. This is very close to where I live. Uh, and we've just seen – we saw this like throughout the Trump era, uh, similar incidents and similar like domestic – uh, terror attacks, really mass shootings of people that are like immersed in this ecosystem, uh, in the the Tree of Life synagogue, and the Walmart in El Paso, uh, in Christchurch, New Zealand. Like there's been a very there's been a number of extremely violent uh, mass murders that have taken place uh, of by people that are really steeped in this this kind of far right ideology, and. There's this kind of segment on the left that's kind of tried to frame this as being like, oh, it's kind of cringe to think about this. Uh, this should just we should just be completely ignored. And it's like I, that's where I find really like it's difficult to figure out what the solution to that is supposed to be because I don't think it should just be ignored. Uh, I think if you have this big law enforcement infrastructure, yeah, they probably should be devoting some of their endless resources to like rooting out this kind of right wing extremism. But that's the issue is you can't really trust these people to do this because it's there's always going to be this false equivalence and it's always even, not even a false equivalence. The more likely scenario is that any resources that are given to these law enforcement agencies to investigate domestic extremism is going to be focused more on the left than on the right, even though the violence is coming from from one area. And then that is what I don't know what the solution to that is supposed to be because uh, I don't think ignoring it is a great solution either. Yeah, well, I think we tend to be given this false choice. So, you know, I interviewed a bunch of different uh, FBI people that did counterterrorism in the past. And um, the impression I got was that we already have a ton of laws on the books. You don't necessarily need new laws. What you need is like a better application of what already exists. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean, um, you know, like surveillance or, or the, again, it's a false choice between surveillance. Like, as I mentioned before, um, you can take uh, uh, whistleblower complaints more seriously, start getting at that backlog and looking what's actually already being disclosed or reported. What one FBI agent told me was that, uh, you know, in, in cases that he's investigated, it's rarely a secret when it's, you know, in, in law enforcement, if there's an, what's called an insider threat, someone that has these extremist views and they're engaging in criminality. Everyone in the unit knows about it. They probably know about crimes the guy's committed. It's just that they report it and the agency doesn't want to look at it because it's going to create a uh, scandal for them. So, um, you know, just looking at actual criminal acts that already exist without having to create entirely new sort of thought crimes, essentially, um, that could go a long way towards, because my understanding is a lot of this stuff is not very subtle. It's not like there's these clandestine sort of, I mean, think back to the kind of far, far right sort of like neo-Nazi types that, 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 we, that we might have met 
in our lives. They're not very subtle about it. And so I, my understanding is that it's sort of a misconception that, that there's any kind of um, secret that we have to root out. It's pretty much all there in the open. There's been overtures from the Biden administration on top of this, this military training document that they want to root out and, and weed out extremism. You know, we've, we've talked about it before uh, on this show and elsewhere. And, you know, the, the constitutional issues that raises is, and while we might not like people on the far right, uh, and we might think they are detrimental uh, to the health of this country, to society, whatever, the vast majority of them are just like, you know, hateful and, but still have a right to believe those things. That's the, the that is what this country was, was, you know, founded on in many respects. And that's what uh, constitutional law has evolved to understand and, and protect over the years, even as something as repugnant as the KKK has been protected at the Supreme Court. It's like, look, as long as they're not hurting anybody, they can be as stupid and hateful as they want. That's that's the joy of living in a free country. Right now, that protection it obviously is is under threat in this cause uh, or this crusade to weed out extremism. What, what I think there isn't uh, enough nuance applied uh, to is the difference between, you know, violent militias and people who are like actively planning to take up arms and do X, Y, and Z and people who simply hold these beliefs. And you saw that reflected in the military training document. You saw that reflected in the stuff Ford, Ford Fisher tweeted out. Um, in a general, you know, sense, that's what the Biden administration and his officials largely believe that all of these things across the political spectrum, if they veer too far out of the left or right mainstream, pose a threat. And it's not a threat to one another for the most part. It is a threat to their power, to a, a two-party system where they just transfer it back and forth, it to the capitalist elite, to the corporate elite, uh, to and to the, you know, the politically connected and well-to-do in this country. Um, overall, I think people need to consider, and I don't think liberals really take this to heart uh, as much as they should. And, I, and especially, I, I think, as this stuff continues, if they really hammer on socialism and communism on this kind of stuff, MSNBC is going to eat it up because that's just people who have been, you know, in their menchies for the past several years. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, well, you know, we get rid of these people well, and then I can I can tweet about SNL without harassment. Right. Yeah, you want to leave as little to discretion as possible. Because as mm -hmm. soon as you open that up, it's going to hurt the extremes on either side. And unfortunately, the extreme on the left is 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 much less <laughs> like like the the view that there should be income redistribution uh, is 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 going to be viewed as an extreme sort of thing, whereas it, on the right it looks much different. So it's like, um, again, we have a ton of laws on the books. Many of those laws are being broken by people. I mean, FBI agents that were very supportive of the general thrust of this kind of thing. Um, several of them told me that if this is applied to any sort of speech framework, it's going to be a disaster because. It, so as one was telling me, after nine, you know, after any big disaster, nine eleven is sort of the you know archetypal example, but there are many. There's a tendency to kind of want to look like you're doing something and be like, oh, we got to pass a lot of stuff and do a lot of things. When uh, certainly you want to you want to do things, but that might not mean like changes to policy. It might mean again just applying stuff that already exists it, that that is just not being done. Like I, I mentioned, the, the the whistleblower complaints not being acted upon. There, you know, there's there's tons of uh, protocols and things that are selectively applied. You could just apply things that already exist that are better. This notion that you know you're going to pass a domestic terror law. Something I heard again and again from both liberals and conservatives 
in law enforcement is that, you know, they already have plenty of laws. It's a myth that you have to create entirely new ones to be able to get at, um, you know, uh, groups and mm-hmm. engage in criminal activity. So yeah, everything think- that happened on January 6th was already illegal. Right. Yeah. You don't need a new set of laws. Doing 9-11 also illegal. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Those YouTube videos you keep sending me make a different case. But <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's it's alarming. Again, it's just it's the kind of thing that I find really perplexing because I don't think I don't think doing nothing uh, to to counterbalance this like this like increase in in far right violence, the rise of the far right. Um, I don't think doing nothing about that is a good idea. But at the same time, I'm just I'm leery about anyone anything the United States law enforcement community, the intelligence community starts to do. Because inevitably, it's just going to be turned on people that uh, that I feel like don't deserve it. Um, there's kind of a, a similar phenomenon going on right now in the media. I don't know if you two have noticed this as well. Um, I know Adam Johnson from Citations Needed has been has been really good at covering this. But this kind of like crime wave um, narrative that now we're seeing, how you know throughout last year after George Floyd and after these these mass protests. There was this kind of suggestion that we're going to start talking about systemic racism seriously, and we're going to start talking about this. And lo and behold, it's a year later, and now you have it. I feel like there's this concerted push by the mainstream media to kind of suggest that now crime is getting out of control again. And often this is tied to the defund the police movement, and it's kind of left viewers to kind of imagine that because these, of course, all these police departments are be- across the country are just being defunded left and right. That's why this crime wave is happening, even though, as we know, no, no such thing has happened. Um, no police departments are being defunded. They're, in fact, getting more money than before in many cases. Um, but it does seem like there's been this concerted effort on the part of the media, people like Jake Tapper um, and others, to kind of frame this idea that now this, we need to get tough on crime again. And it's not even like it, – it's not it's, – it's really like reverting to this 90s kind of uh, uh, tough on crime era. It, which is another thing that's kind of alarming. Like you saw this, like CNN's going for like a ride along with with the NYPD as crime wave worsens uh, and stuff like that. Is that's have you two noticed this phenomenon as well? Because that's another thing that I'm kind of alarmed by that I've been, Dude, been noticing a lot over the last couple it of weeks. Led to, it led to new executive orders today. I mean, Biden rolled out a slate of new uh, executive orders uh, seeking to crack down on crime in cities. I mean, this is something that you could see a Trump president presidency to uh, a second term doing like this is, and this is similar to what he did like last year or the, uh, like he just, they're flooding cities with cash to put more cops on the street. They're going to crack down on, on people who sell guns. It's all, it's like, it's a tough on crime approach to a problem when you need more of a scalpel than a sledgehammer. I mean, Punishing people has never, and just with with harsh sentences, putting more cops in the streets has never been proven to reduce crime. It has not been proven to reduce recidivism. What you need is a holistic approach. And in in this in this coverage today, the AP uh, did a story in advance of Biden's speech and the executive orders, laying out the, the and contextualizing this issue. And they explicitly say, they acknowledge this. Rise in crime is related to economic concerns stemming from last year and what they leave out the part that is because of an inadequate federal response. But the economic strife that afflicted millions of people around this country now puts them in positions where 
This is what many of them are resorting to to stay to stay afloat. And the response from Biden, crime bill Biden, is here's a bunch of money for new cops. Here's a bunch of money for gun crackdowns. Here's what we're going to do uh, to, you know, be, be tough and shut this down as summer approaches. And the answer is not ever more cops. It is invest in treatment alternative to uh, to uh, incarceration. It is invest in a social safety net. It is invest in a jobs program. Some friends, when this when this news went around, their immediate response is pass the American Jobs Plan, pass the American Families Plan. This is what would help. This is what would help people who are in a, a, a in dire straits, turning to violence to to stay afloat, to find you know food survival crimes whatever and there's you know separately there are people who are just violent but the the the, you treat that you don't throw money at cops and say get out there like it's it only is going to escalate tensions with an already uh tense relationship between communities and police well and it's important too that you frame it's framed in this uh gun control uh way you mentioned because that's the way that you get liberals with black lives matter in the bio to completely get on board immediately and be like yeah we support Mm -hmm. this we love it and yeah you're talking about investing in communities ironically that's what the entire defund the police movement was about literally it was very clear about this but again that was framed as being some kind of like crazy radical demand which again which led to crime apparently which is you know we all know that's not true but that's the way it was framed. Like that was, I remember after the election when when Biden's, and especially initially, it didn't look like the the result was like as good as what they were hoping. They immediately pivoted to blame blame defund the police and blame these exact activists um, for causing that result. Um, and now they're going around, uh, they're going out there and you know implementing policy that goes specifically against all these demands and is almost certainly going to make all these these issues worse. Um, so. Great, great stuff there. Yeah, I feel very <laughs> wary about this meme that there's this you know skyrocketing crime rate. Like I'm you know willing to consider that. Like it doesn't seem crazy to me that crime would increase given just the continued degradation of the country and how much worse everything has gotten over the last year or so. You know, I'm, also I, people going out and mixing more and people are not in their homes as much as well. Sure, just sort of sure. that kind yeah. of thing. No, I'm I'm open to that. But the notion that we are going to, I mean, I'm not a criminologist, but. A lot of this data comes from the. I mean, I you know I know in foreign policy the military is giving us a lot of the data about our wars, and you know lo and behold the military are the ones that end up getting the money and the resources that Congress uh, you know gives them in response to these alleged problems. I mean, every major war, there's a sort of Vietnam was obviously the most infamous case, but this happened in Iraq and Afghanistan as well. Um, you know they they present data that is. Um, uh, flattering to or you know advances their own interests and a lot of this criminology data not all of it but a lot of it you know comes from the police themselves who you know they want funding as well so it creates a lot it's you know i'm i'm sort of uh I'm, I'm very hesitant to to believe um you know without without some context what it, it, this sort of very simple narrative seems like yeah and similarly similarly you also have these rash of stories about like um, these like these like big businesses and big uh, fast food chains being like, well, no one wants to work anymore. No one <laughs> wants to work. We just can't hire anybody. Uh, and I guess we got to we got to dry up those benefits soon right. because uh, of course no one's coming to work. And it feels almost like a capital strike. It's like a stealth capital strike that's happening, where it, rather than like actually start to like reevaluate their their you know payment structures or actually offering competitive salaries they're just like instead of that like maybe could we have bring child labor back is could that be something we could do um 
And the, again, this, this there's this been this big propaganda push to I think kind of get people ready for this kind of thing. And the idea that any of these companies can just like pay people more uh, is is like this is still treated as this like fantasy land idea. Yeah, it's the same problem as with you know they interview all these police officers like, what do you think about the um, problem that 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 you stand to gain a lot of money from if if there's a if there's a serious <laughs> problem? And then you know who do they ask about? Um, uh, the state of the economy, it's like, oh, here's a small business owner. So how do you feel about the situation? It's like, well, I need more money, you know? <laughs> it's like, wow, that's a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. What a shocker. But it, I mean, it does seem like America is getting to this point. You know, the, the kind of, in terms of the economic fallout um, of the whole the whole crisis of the last year, including the, the including coronavirus and and all, a lot of the economic issues that were that were um, coming up around the, around the time that the, the virus really became prominent it does seem like it's getting to this point like the can has just been kicked down the road repeatedly in terms of like uh, the the eviction moratorium and the benefits and now it is getting to a point now where the eviction moratorium is running out and people's benefits that that got passed in this rescue package are also running out there's obviously not a new rescue package uh being passed anytime soon and it does kind of feel like there there is getting to a point now where these kind of things are going to start coming into conflict with one another. Yeah, I like how the entire I like how the entire federal budget is increasingly resembling like how I lived in my early twenties, which was like you wait for the paycheck and then the minute you get it, you're like living on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where there yeah. just every program that like millions of people depend on increasingly is like this this high stakes last minute negotiation that Congress passes like literally a day before it's set to expire. It seems pretty sustainable. I think. Seems healthy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this is the sign of a healthy economy. Is what I've been told. I don't, have you noticed that, Jordan? Like, it just it does feel like we've kind of been waiting for this breaking point, like throughout the last year, and it just like it, every time at the last minute, it kind of gets delayed, and it does kind of seem like it's getting to the point where these things are really going to start to come in conflict with with one another, and I don't know what that's going to look like in in American society. Yeah, I yes, I think that is a an inevitability. I think it's just going it's going to happen. When I, I'm not sure, but it's I don't know. This is you can't keep like we can't even get a minimum wage increase passed, and the cost of living just keeps going up. Wealth keeps you know concentrating at the top. Was it five million new millionaires were minted yeah. during the pandemic? It's been basically one of the his- history's biggest upward transfers of wealth, like in yeah. the, the history of America and the world, which just doesn't seem healthy to me. It's but, like it, yeah. the economy's become like Bitcoin, where it's like you look at it, it's like one year someone's wealth is doubled. And it's like, what? <laughs> obviously, the rich are going to do well, but Jesus Christ, it's like it's like these ins- this insane volatility, and everybody's just like, yeah, that's fine, you know? Like Jeff Bezos gains. Got to work what, harder, dude. It's insane. Like, how can anybody look at this? He just created that much more productivity. <laughs> you know, he just doubled his productivity in, in like six months. It's just like there has to be – yeah, I do get that impression. It's like something has to give and it's like somehow it just keeps going. Or like um, to go back to what we were talking about before, they can't pass a January 6th commission in the yeah. whole country other than, you know, the, the, the segment of the country that's very enthusiastic – the minority of the country that's very enthusiastic about the Republican Party – um, agree something, you know, should be done. And it's like, they can't even do that. And Nancy Pelosi, instead of just, you know, going ahead with the, um, you know, biting the bullet and just doing a, 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 uh, commission that's, that, that, that doesn't get Republican votes because they're clearly not going to support any. 
you know, it's reported that that she was going to do that, and then they backtrack and say, "Oh, actually, she said that she's she's considering it." And it's like, how have you not done that at this point? The Republicans have made abundantly clear they're not going to support any kind of inquiry into it. So I don't see what the point is. But yeah, it's just this this game of chicken, and and it, it feels like something has to give, and it just they just keep kicking the can down the road. <sighs> well. You guys got any this, fun summer plans? Sucks. <laughs> Thinking about you doing anything cool? Uh, game? grilling maybe a little bit. Probably, probably game a little bit. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I've got a plug. If you're still listening, uh, this weekend, <laughs> unless you've turned the podcast off in utter despair <laughs> and just, like, just like yeah. taking cold showers, just like in your clothes, just like sitting on the shower floor, just <laughs> sobbing. That's some confidence in your audience. It's like, well, if you're still around, <laughs> I don't so know, man. If you this. reach this point, you're you're going down with the ship with us. Yeah. Only the um, true gamers are true still heads. listening at this yeah, point. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'll put it in the show notes as well for the people who are cowards and turned it off. Uh, but this weekend, <laughs> June 26th and 27th, an all weekend Fortnite charity stream to benefit healthcare for the homeless in Baltimore. Uh, starting at noon Eastern on my Twitch channel, really underscore chill underscore guy. But you could just go to helpthehomelessnow.com and everything is right there. The, the, the ability to donate, the ability to watch the stream, everything is right there helpthehomelessnow.com and then on Sunday from noon to midnight it'll be on TYT's channel same link it all still works and it all goes to healthcare for the homeless in Baltimore and it's going to we're going to have tons and tons of guests Rob is playing we've got lots of uh, lots of recognizable folks uh, are, are going to play it's going to be fun and when you donate you fuck with our game so if you donate 25 bucks we have to drop our best item if you donate 100 bucks we have to drop all our items and a few other fun uh donation amounts uh mixed in there as well so it's going to be a ton of fun we're going to raise i hope i hope a bunch of money for healthcare for the homeless It's, it's working tirelessly to get uh people who are unhoused in baltimore vaccinated among many other things provide essential services they're an essential lifeline in in that city it's gonna be a ton of fun so come on out fuck with us uh in in, in Fortnite. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great help the homeless now.com very nice that's a positive so that's way a to positive thing yeah man. No, yeah, yeah. balance things balance things out here we were just talking about you're like the you're like the intelligence community now you've got to do the both sides <laughs> well i asked ken also if he wanted to play and he was like no uh i mean i not i'm not really a gamer but like the, my main reason for uh, my objection is that i just hate homeless people it's like oh okay <laughs> no, well. a, i feel like my quota i'm tapped out on getting fucked with by by jordan in particular on twitter I get enough there. I yeah, you've put in your you've put in your time yeah he, he, yeah he does earn his stripes making me, me drop my wep- my primary weapon I am also going to play. I'm, I'm very bad at Fortnite. Just even without getting fucked with, I'm often getting instantly murked by, you know, 12 year olds. So <laughs> if you want to see me get humiliated, which I know many people for whatever reason, they enjoy this. I don't really, it's a little upsetting to me actually, but if you enjoy that, then that's what we're going to be doing and uh, for a good cause as well. So yeah, very nice. Good. Happy to be involved with that. Um, well, thanks. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Um, do you have anything else? We talked about your scoops. Do you have anything else you want to like plug? Any final final comment? No. No. I feel like we summarized no final what comment. I've been working on pretty well. All right. All right. Nobody click on Ken's work. That he does no <laughs> plug. Don't don't even Ken, go out of the way to find it. Ken's intercept page is, is a is a no reader zone. 
we're taking it down. Yep. Exactly. We're banning yeah. it. We don't want this banned. We've done a DDoS <laughs> attack on Ken's bio page on, on yeah. the Intercept site. Just that, just that sub site. <laughs> well, thanks everyone. Uh, thank you, Jordan and Ken. It was a pleasure to connect with you too. Once again, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back soon. And uh, that's all. Goodbye. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. Sorry. One second. <laughs> oh, this is so stupid. What? Fucking battery on my mouse has run out and I oh. can't click. Uh, keep us in the episode. Keep us in the episode. I cannot click the stop recording. Yikes. Oh, now we've just got to do it for another 12 hours. Yeah. It's one of those things that I probably could just go out and buy a battery at some point, but that would just be too easy. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. <laughs>